Welcome to Chicago Tabernacle, a place of becoming. Wherever you find yourself, we pray that you would be encouraged today by God's Word. Well, it's so good to be with you this morning and to our online family. Um, thank you for joining us. I want to uh, pray for Pastor Toledo real quick. Um, and I want to mention uh, two quick things. Number one, uh, they arrived in actually in the, the city of Rome yesterday. And it wasn't until yesterday that the USA got any points in the Ryder Cup against Europe. So they got swept on Friday. It was terrible. Uh, I'm talking about golf, by the way. And I'm just getting golf out of the way right now so that I won't mention it the rest of the message. But, uh, but the U.S. was getting killed. Right now, this, this morning, the U.S. is on the verge of a historic comeback. And so it's possible. Pastor has also preached three times out of four. He's preaching one more time. Uh, we're not going to pray for the USA team, although we could, but we're not going to do that now. We are going to pray for Pastor Toledo. Uh, he is preaching shortly his fourth time. The next time that he preaches, it will be translated in Italian. Um, so it's an Italian service. He'll be preaching in English. They will be translating. And I want to read a verse that I want to pray over him right now. Uh, they have that verse. It's from the book of Mark. We will be continuing in our series from Mark, Walking in Power. But I want to read this, and then I want us to pray it over Pastor Toledo right now. The Bible says that Jesus went up on a mountainside and called to him those he wanted, and they came to him. He appointed 12 that they might be with him and that he might, what? Send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. You know, there are demons all over this world that the authority of God's word and the authority of God's power is needed to break the power of those demons. And God sends people out to preach in different areas because God has words, he has people, he has messages for specific people that he sends people there to, to deliver that word. And right now, Pastor Toledo has been commissioned by God to go there and to preach. Uh, he sends different people to different places. Sometimes God sends different people, people from all over the country, all over the world here to give us a word that we need. And the kingdom of God is generous in that way that right now, Pastor Toledo is in Rome, Italy, preaching to them in the way that Jesus has sent him. So can we just, can you just lift your hand up? We're gonna pray. We're gonna say, God, we lift up our pastor to you right now, oh God. We thank you that you're using him. We thank you that you have uh, brought him, oh God, to a specific place at a specific time. You've used him three times today, oh God. But God, use him once more, oh God. Lord, would you give him the authority of your word? Would you give him the authority of your spirit? Would you give him the authority of your power, oh God? Lord, let not a single word of his fall to the ground, but use his words to pierce and arrest the hearts there, oh God. Lord, may revival spark right there in that church, oh God. Use him, Jesus. Lord, there's nothing by accident, oh God. Lord, let divine providential uh, circumstances and agreements happen right there, oh God. And so God, right here today, Lord, we pray the same thing. We pray that your word would go forth, oh God. 
Lord, that it would break barriers. It would break chains. It would break a, a demonic agreements, oh God. Lord, demonic strongholds, oh God. Here in the building, online, in Philadelphia, where Pastor Josh is preaching, oh God. Lord, let your word go forth, oh God. Let us, Lord, give us hearts to receive it, oh God. Lord, give us ears to hear, oh God, what the Spirit wants to talk, say to us, oh God. So God, thank you for this day, for your word going forth all over this city, all over this country, all over this world, oh God. We thank you for it in the mighty name of Jesus. Everyone said amen and amen and amen. So be it, so be it, Lord. Well, uh, today, like I said, we're gonna continue in our series from the book of Mark, Walking in Power. And the verse that we just prayed over Pastor Toledo, um, that's actually our passage for today. So I want us to reread it. We read it and we said, okay, God, we're praying this for Pastor Toledo. I want us to reread it and we're gonna see how it applies to our lives. So put that back up. We're gonna read it one more time. But I wanna, I wanna point out a couple of words. Jesus went up on a mountainside and called to him those he wanted. And they, everybody say, came to him. They came to him. He appointed 12 that they might be with him. Everybody say, be with him. And that he might send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. Today's, the title of today's message is Walking in Your Calling. Walking in power is walking in your calling. And there's, you know, I want to start out by saying that we're called to walk in our calling. Everyone is called. Okay? Everyone is called. I've noticed more and more that we can start to have uh, excuses and disclaimers and say, well, um, that, might, that person might be called. And in our comparison culture, we can say, I'm not like that person. I'm not called like that. No, everyone is called. As I want you to, I want to encourage you, pastors, mention this, but go home today, go home this week and read the rest of Mark chapter 13. And what you'll find after these verses is that the writer, Mark, he lists out every one of the 12 disciples that, that Jesus called all of the ones that he appointed and that he sent out. And all of them are from wildly different backgrounds. All of them are from wildly different socioeconomic status. All of them have very different, the five of them are fishermen. Um, one is a tax collector. They all have different professions. They all have different philosophies in life. They all have different uh, mannerisms and and uh, personalities. I saw somebody who was trying to explain what each one of their Enneagrams would be and what each one of their Myers-Briggs personalities would be. They're all way different. And God does that. Jesus chooses 12 wildly different people to show us that he calls everybody. He calls everybody. It doesn't matter your personality style. It doesn't matter what you do for a living or what you're passionate about um, in terms of helping people or where you came from or where you find yourself now. No, Jesus calls everyone. Matthew was a, was a tax collector, uh, which many of the, of the citizens viewed as like a traitor. 
Like you're against us, you're trying to take from us. And, and the tax collectors were known for being corrupt and taking bribes. And then he also called Simon the Zealot and Simon the Zealot was, was zealous. He was a, a, a nationalist. He was a staunch nationalist. So he was the bitter, um, for many people, deathly rival of Matthew. Yet he called both of them. And for three years, they did life together. They were in the, in the same caravan, caravan, staying in the same place, doing the same things, rubbing shoulders together, serving alongside each other, loving people together, seeing Jesus work, even though they had wildly different backgrounds, wildly different points of view, wildly different earthly allegiances. But all of that dies when our primary allegiance is to the kingdom of God. Every person here is called. There's no, quali- there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. You are called. Jesus, you may say, you know what? You don't know what I did. Um, Jesus, he even called Judas. Yeah. At that time, Judas hadn't betrayed him yet, but he even called Judas. You have to realize Jesus calls everyone, and it's what happens after that that matters. It's what happens after Jesus calls us that really matters. Jesus is calling you today. If you're here, if you're online, if you're hearing the word of God today, Jesus is calling you. I was reading um, just to to hammer home the point that everyone is called. Uh, I was reading, there's an author, his name is, Oz Guinness, and he was, he grew up in China. Um, He's still alive now, he's in his older age, so he grew up in the 60s or 70s in China, and um, China was very uh, run down, it was very oppressed, and he said, but you can look around and you see the magnitude of what this empire once was, and and in the 1500s, nobody could ever imagine that Europe, that the, that the Western Europeans would, um, would be more powerful, more on the frontier uh, than China was at the time. And, and so he, he starts to talk about what happened. And right here, a historian says this. Uh, when a historian says, we were asked to look in, this is a secular historian. We were asked to look into what accounts for the preeminence of the West all over the world. At first, we thought it was because you had more powerful guns than we had. Then we thought it was because you had the best political system. Next, we focused on your economic system. But in the past 20 years, we have realized that the heart of your culture over the last hundreds of years, over centuries, that the heart of your culture is your religion, Christianity. That is why the West has become so powerful. So that's in, a, in an element that's true, but then Os Guinness re, kind of, comes alongside of it or, or kind of uh, rebuts it in a sense. And he says, this answer is not so much Christianity in general as it is the Reformation in particular. In their massive rejection of medieval corruptions and distortions, the reformers restored to the church, not only the gospel, but here's the, the key point, but the authority of the scriptures and the importance of lay people. Christianity, it goes on to say, and this is, this is proven in history. There's nothing that has more dignified the human race 
and the individual person walking on this earth than Christianity. You were made in God's image. You were chosen by God. You were saved and redeemed by Jesus himself. There's nothing more redeeming for the human race than Christianity. And that's for the life to come, but it's also for the life now. So God has chosen you. God has not forgotten you. God has not looked over you. God has not looked past you. God sees you now and today, and he says, I love them, I call them, I choose them. So in light of that, what does that mean for us? You know, we all grapple with this, with calling. It's something that, um, that even pre, I remember in high school or in grammar school that for Chicago Public Schools, there was this huge uh, um, competition to get into the school that you wanted to get into. You had to go to, um, and I think it's still the case today, you had, to, you had to apply like a year in advance and you had to take a specific test for all of these different schools. And you were fighting, you were fighting, and you were told by your teachers that the high school you determine, that the, the high school that you get into will determine the college that you get into, and the college that you, deter, that you get into will determine the, the career that you get into, and the career that you get into will determine the, the quality of life that you have. And so from a very young age, we're taught where you go, what you wind up, what you want to be, what you're called to, who you're called to, that it has this huge, it has this huge impact on life, and it starts this wrestling inside of your heart. From a, for me, that was like that was really young age. High schoolers deal with it when they when they think about college. College students deal with it when they think about. Uh, what major they choose. Gra- even if you're in graduate school, if you've been there, you start to think about, okay, um, uh, the world was my oyster at one point, but now I have to say, um, uh, I have to choose this decision and choosing these decisions means saying no to these other decisions. And we start to wrestle with what am I called to? What am I supposed to be doing? What is the, the big impact that I'm supposed to be making in life? It continues as adults and over and over and over, quarter life crisis, midlife crisis. We are, n- we are nonstop uh, wrestling with these things. And I wanna... Um, the word, when, when Jesus talks about calling his disciples, this is what it means. Calling is when God separates someone to himself and singles them out for a purpose. In, um, in the Greek, the word for church is ecclesia, and it means called out ones. You know what you are here today? You're a called out one. You're a group of called out ones. Online, you are, you are a called out one. You are called out by Jesus. Dostoevsky said, for the secret of man's being is not only to live, but to live for something definite. Without a firm notion of what he is living for, man will not accept life and will rather destroy himself than remain on earth. Don't we see that today? Self-destruction, all of our addictions, all of our our perils, they're all because we realize that, because people, they come to this false realization that there's nothing definite that we can hold on to. And I'm here to say today, that's not the case. I'm here to say today that you are called. You are called for a purpose. You are called for a reason. You are called to a person, and that is Jesus. 
So real quick, I wanna give us two indicators of the called. Two, two so what's of the called. Okay, I'm called, so what does that mean for me? And I wanna say two quick things. Number one, the called, you know how you, you know, you know what you do if you're called? You respond. Everybody say, respond. The called respond. Jesus called them to be with him, and they went with him. Jesus called them to be with him. Your first calling as a Christian is not to go and, and carry the good news. It's not to go and do a great work. Your first calling is to be with him. If you're not with him, there's nothing afterwards that is of any good use. Your first calling is to be with him, is to be a disciple of Jesus, is to spend time with him. It's to respond to him. Weist, one of the commentators says this about this passage. It was an invitation to leave the vast crowd and follow him up the hill. Some of us need to leave crowds. It was addressed to a larger number than 12, from which he afterwards selected the 12. One purpose of our Lord informing the 12 was that they might constantly be with him. This would be their preliminary training, constantly. It's not a drop-in Sunday. It's not a um, carve out my 10 minutes in the morning and then I'm good. It's not a uh, uh, say my bedtime prayers or um, bless the meal and then I'm good. No, it's a constant being with him. Jesus doesn't wanna drop in from time to time throughout the day. Jesus wants you to be with him all of the time. Jesus is calling you to be with him. Sometimes we, you know, sometimes we say, I've said it before, um, you know, I was going through this, uh, this stage in my life and when I talk about when I, was, when I get saved, I say, and then I found God. No, no, God finds us. We respond to him. And it doesn't stop at salvation. Every day of your life, today, God finds you and it's up to you if you wanna respond to him. What did we do in worship? We responded to Jesus. I was, I was I, uh, uh, towards the end of worship, I, I walked to the back and um, no one was watching them. They didn't, well, I, I opened my eyes at one point and then I saw them. So here I am saying I was watching them, but I was blessed because I saw Chris Novak, one of our security guards, he's reaching out to God in worship. June, uh, who's on production and, and he's on staff, he was reaching out to God in worship. But behind the scenes, nobody's, nobody's looking, nobody's watching. It wasn't for anybody else. It was, it was them. It was them saying, hey, God is with us right now. I need to, I need to worship. I need to respond. This, this, this message right now, this this moment right now, God's presence right now, it deserves a response. The, I looked up and, and I didn't know who was doing uh, monitors here. Uh, it, was, it was Christian, but, but I didn't know who was doing monitors. And he's jumping up and down and nobody can see him. I just saw like his feet jumping up and down. He's responding to, to the Lord. I want to ask you today, how is your response to the Lord? On Sundays, but on Tuesdays. No, no, the rest of the week. When God is trying to lead you, when God's trying to guide you, what's your response to God? Do you walk in on Sundays with, your, with our hands in our pocket and say, ah, they missed a note? Um, or, ah, I wish they sang different songs today. No, no, no. It has to do with God's presence. It has to do with Jesus calling you. 
How are you responding to the word of God? When it, you, may, you may read your Bible and then, and then you close it and you go about your day. Are you responding to the word of God? Are you praying? Are you saying, God, this word is for me? God, there's always a word that I can grab a hold of because you're always talking to me. But God, am I responding? Your response makes all the difference. I um, was in the car yesterday with, uh, with my wife, Amanda. And um, you have to pray for my wife because uh, she has to deal with me. Um, but specifically, uh, my wife's a nurse. And she really loves being a nurse. And I can tell she's really, she's never, I've never been a patient of hers, but I can tell she's a really good nurse um, because she loves it and because of the care and the passion that she talks about it with. And so um, as I try to be a good husband, when she comes home from the day um, or yesterday, Saturday morning, she tells me about her, her work evening on Friday night. She tells me about her patients. And then she starts to tell me about the illnesses that they have and the treatments that she's doing. And for me, here's, um, I get very, very queasy, very, very easily. Okay, me, so I'm not alone. I'm not, I, I always think it's just me, but I'm not alone. I was in, um, when I was in college, uh, we took this, uh, we had like a sports uh, medicine class and this, this guy gives a presentation on the harm of steroids and they showed what happened to this guy's arm. And I got so sick sitting down that I had to stand up and try to go to the bathroom and on the way out, I fainted. Um, and that wasn't the first or the last time that I fainted from just like thoughts or images of how something is so queasy. And some of you are amening me right now. Some of you are looking at me like I am crazy and weird. I'm just being myself, I'm being transparent. I gotta let you in, okay? So here's what I'm saying though. My wife will tell me these stories. And, uh, and yesterday I'm driving in the car and she's telling me, and I would even give you more specifics, but I don't want, um, I, I, we just, we don't need the preacher fainting today, okay? So I'm gonna be generic. And, um, but she's telling me this and everything in me wanted to just pull the car over and just curl up into a ball. Be like, no, 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 stop, 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 stop. But my response makes all the difference. If I respond consistently with, I can't hear that, then what she hears is, I don't wanna hear about your day. I don't wanna hear about your work. I don't wanna hear about the things that are important to you. So maybe every once in a while, if it gets really gruesome, I can say, hey, I really wanna hear about your things. I, can you give it less detail so that, I can, so that I can take this in? But my response makes all the difference. It doesn't, after a certain amount of time, it doesn't matter what I'm feeling. At a certain point, she needs to feel heard. She needs to feel seen. She needs to feel responded to, okay? In your marriage, in your, in your relationships, in your parenting, in, in, your, in everything that you do, your response makes all the difference. 
You ever been to a, a, to a store or a restaurant and you can just tell that the, that the employee is having a bad day and they're just, they're doing everything they can just to get through the day. And if you give them a warm smile, you give them a how you doing, you give them some, some extra care and love, sometimes that thing can just go 180 and now you're their favorite customer. Why? Because your response makes all the difference. We see it in everyday life. But spiritually speaking, it goes deeper. Your response, it makes all the difference in your relationship with God. Now, I'm not saying that God's not grading your response on a zero to 10. But here's what happens. When you come in to worship on a Sunday, you have your hands in your pocket and you're, you're looking on, on your phone and you're, um, you're consumed with everything else and not responding to God, not taking a moment saying, you know what, stop right now. You know why the ushers bless me and the production team blesses me? Because when, they, when they're serving, they, they take, they stop and they say, you know what, God, I need to respond right now. Yes, your response, it makes all the difference, right? And here's what it does, is your response, it keeps your heart tender. It keeps your heart saying, okay, God, I'm gonna follow you. Um, when you. When you say something, I'm gonna respond as if it matters and I'm gonna keep following you. But um, later in, in, in the book of Matthew, it talks about the, the, the followers of Jesus. They would have to shake the dust off their feet just from being so close to Jesus, catching that dust off his feet. You, you, you have to be close and to stay close, your response matters. Imagine being in a relationship with someone. Imagine having children or, or a spouse that you just never respond to. Eventually, you start to separate. You start to get colder. You start to, you start to misunderstand things a lot easier. You, you stop being on the same page. But your response, it keeps you on the same page as Jesus. And Jesus, he wants your response because he wants you to be on the same page with He called the disciples. Did he send them out? Yes, but first he called them to be with him. How are you responding to the word of the Lord? How are you responding to the promptings? How are you responding to, to when people, godly people, might give you suggestions of counsel and advice in your life? I want to give you a word of advice. Listen, not all of us, we, our, our response Metric is not always at a 10. No, nobody here, we're, we're never always at a 10. The pastor's here. Sometimes, sometimes our, our, our response gauge starts to go a little lower. The, the, worship, the worship team, anybody serving, anybody, any real Christian. David, you read in the Psalms, sometimes his response meter starts to go lower. And, but I want to give you a word of advice. When you start to sense that, say, God, I'm going to set everything aside. I'm going to get away from the crowd. And I'm going to say, God, I'm going to respond right now. And that response might be simple. It might be, God, I love you. God, I thank you. God, I give you glory. And that response, that response metric starts to, starts to spur up the things of, the, starts to spur up the, the fan of flame, the gift of God in you. You start to say, God, okay, now that I'm, that, now that I'm more aware of what you're doing now, I can become more aware of what you want to do with me. But it starts with your response. The, um, And here's the last thing. If your response is in a cold season, that's okay. 
But I want to encourage you, press in, dig deeper, and sometimes we make big decisions in life because we're in, a, we're in a cold response season because our response hasn't been strong. Don't make big decisions. Don't, don't start to feel like, oh, I need to move. I need to, to leave this. I need to get out of this. I need to change this thing so that my response starts to change. No, no, God's the same um, everywhere. God's the same all the time. God can always speak to you and you can always respond. Your response will help you navigate the, all of the, the rocks and the bumps and the roller coasters of life in a godly, healthy manner. Respond, respond, respond. It makes all the difference. And here's, you know, too many times we view, uh, we view our response as, um, as a short-term mindset, like I'll check in with God. Uh, once a week or when I'm in trouble uh, or when I have a ceremony. But Jesus' call is really for growth and it's for him to take us and build us and grow us and make us fruitful. And so that, and, and when he does that, then he sends us out. And the second thing today is the called our commission. Everybody say commissioned. You know, in the passage, I want to read it again. But it says, he appointed 12 that they might be with him and that they might, he might send them out to preach and have authority to drive out demons. That word appointed, here's what it means. It means it's, it's where we get the word apostle from. And it's to send off from oneself, furnished with credentials, with a commission to act as one's representative and accomplish a certain mission. The word apostle was used for an envoy, an ambassador. Thus, the 12 were to be his ambassadors. The 12 people that Jesus called, they were his ambassadors. They were commissioned. They were sent out on his behalf, not on their own, on his behalf. Commission is a cooperative mission with Jesus. Think of the word commission as co-mission. God, I am on this mission, but I'm not on it alone. I am with you. God, I, you have sent me to do this, and man, I am uncomfortable doing it, but God, I am, I am going out here, and you know what? I am with you. Um, the, uh, the other thing that commission means is you're enabled and empowered to act on his behalf. So if you know, um, if you know of uh, like an, like a, you know, last week, Pastor Toledo read this verse, for we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. You're a co-worker of his. You are commissioned. You are on a co-mission. But also commissioned, it's his process of revealing his glory and empowering his people. You are enabled and empowered to act on Jesus' behalf. So if you've ever seen uh, an artist uh, make art like for the city, they are commissioned. And so the, the city or, um, or somebody high up will say, hey, we want a piece of art that depicts this. Now, if the artist does something completely different, guess what? It's no longer a commission. And the person who assigned them that commission, they'll probably wipe it out. We are an ambassador. We are an agent. We are 
uh, we are sent on behalf of Jesus to make a change. So here's, here's what that means. When you're called to Jesus, he starts to, he starts to develop you and grow you. But then there comes a time where he sends you out. To, to the, the passage says that he sent them out to preach the gospel and to drive out demons. He sends them out with a word and with power. God wants to give you a word today. God wants to give you a word that might be for somebody else, that might change somebody's destiny, that might change the way that somebody else lives their life, that might change a decision that they have to make. God wants to give you a word today. And then God wants to give you his power, his authority. For the disciples, it was important that they had the authority to drive out demons because that validated the word that they were speaking. They had so many doubters. They had so many people who said, we don't know that that's true or we don't believe that that's true or we're coming up against that. But then when they would drive out demons, they said, we have no choice but to believe that. The way that you live your life, the way that your power impacts other people will change other people. But here's the, you know, there are, there are ways to do this and there are ways to, to not do this. There are ways to be commissioned and there are ways not to be commissioned. In governments, there are always ambassadors, um, agents of the government that are sent somewhere else and they have the full authority of the government behind them. They have the full backing, they have the full power and they have the authority to make decisions on behalf of an entire nation. In World War, a good example of this is in World War II, uh, Sweden was neutral. They were not, they didn't take sides because they kind of felt like they weren't big enough to really even defend themselves. But they had an ambassador named Raoul Wellenberg, and they're gonna put that up in a second, and he was a diplomat and ambassador from Sweden. And the Swedish government was technically neutral in World War II, um, but its ambassadors were able to help many from the atrocities of the German military. And Wallenberg went to uh, a gathering of diplomats and ambassadors in Budapest, in Hungary, where, there were, where the Jews were being oppressed and they were being taken by the, by the Nazis. And he initiated an operation that set up Swedish houses. And Jews who were being persecuted and hunted were given shelter and then eventually given Swedish passports so that they could escape and they could be saved. Wallenberg, his decision, he was an ambassador representing an entire nation. And he went to another country and he said, no, we wanna open up housing for them. We wanna give them passports. We wanna give them safety and refuge. And his boldness in being an ambassador for good on behalf of an entire nation saved tens of thousands of people then. Wow. Listen to this. Jesus, he can go anywhere. He, he's not limited in space or time, but he sends you because other people can see Jesus through you. And when other people can see Jesus through you, 
then this is what it means when Jesus eventually said, you will do greater things than me because people will see you when they've had a bad uh, experience with church or religion or God and they'll see you and they'll say, wait, something's different about them. They can impact me. I'll be open to that. And now your words can go further. You have the authority of the kingdom. You have the backing of the kingdom. You have the word and the power of the kingdom. God wants to use you. Where are you gonna be used? So this doesn't mean you have to go right today and sign up for missionary training. This means that right here, right where you're at, wherever God places your feet this week, you can bring a word and you can bring power. The band's gonna come in a moment, but here's the, here's the other side of this. That was, a, that was an ambassador who used his change, his commissioning. He was commissioned in the right way. And he said, okay, I'm gonna go in the best interest of my country, in the best interest of the people who sent me. Um, in 1933, there was an art peace commissioned by the Rockefeller family in New York City. And at Rockefeller Center, they wanted to put a huge mural bigger than this wall right in the lobby from the famed Mexican artist Diego Rivera. And Diego Rivera painted this. The man at the crossroads. And I'm not gonna get into all of it, but on one side is depicted capitalism and the other side is de depicted socialism, and it's, it's how everything kind of in the center collides. And, and they put it up, he painted it, they revealed it, and the Rockefeller family loved it. And then the New York Times saw some people represented there that probably weren't in the best interests of America at the time. And the Rockefeller family said, wait, wait, we want you to change it, we want you to, we want you to take that thing out. And then the artist said, you know what, I'm gonna double down and I'm gonna put more people like that in there. And then you know what happened? They plastered over it. They said, no. You know why? Because a commission, it always serves the person who sent the mission. Your commissioning, it's not on your own. It's not your own mission. Don't spend your time, don't spend your life doing fruitless things that only serve yourself. It'll look great for a moment. It'll feel great for a moment. And then it'll get plastered over. When we talk about being fruitful, we talk about fruit that will last. Can I tell you something? Fruit that lasts, it's a, it's a commission. It's a mission from God for you to participate in, for you to be alongside the journey with, for you to act, but act on God's behalf. The, the provision for the commission, it's not up to you. God's gonna give it to you. But your duty, your, your, uh, your joy, it comes from bringing glory to the Father. God has a commissioning for you. He wants to send you out with the word. He wants to send you out with power. And he wants to do it for your good and for his glory. The, um, I wanna read one more thing and I wanna close. I want us to pray. Tim Keller, uh, who just passed away, he said this. He said, everyone will be forgotten, 
nothing we do will make any difference. Sounds good, right? And all good endeavors, even the best, will come to naught. Wow. Unless there is God. If the God of the Bible exists, and there is a true reality beneath and behind one, and this life is not the only life, then every good endeavor, even the simplest ones, pursued in response to God's calling, can matter forever. Can I tell you something? Whatever you do today, whatever you do this week, when God is in it, it will bear fruit that lasts. The simplest of things. Don't start thinking, oh, I have to do this great thing. No, no, start with the small. This week, you've got a word of encouragement for somebody. You've got somebody in your life who's not, who's, who's walking defeated. They need to know they don't have to walk defeated. That someone has calling them, that Jesus is calling them. You have somebody in your life that they're discouraged. No, you can encourage them. God has you in specific places for specific reasons. And what the disciples experienced is, you know, it's interesting. This is how I want to close. That this calling of the disciples and this identifying of them, it happens in Mark chapter 3. And if, if you haven't noticed, the book of Mark, it happens really fast. So there's a lot of things that happen in a short amount of time. So that, so Mark chapter 3, there's a lot that happens in three chapters. And it's like, oh, just now we're getting to him calling the disciples? I thought that would have been way earlier. I thought he would have listed out the 12 disciples way earlier. But no, he doesn't now because Jesus has already started his ministry. And he started his ministry, but now he calls the disciples and he says, hey, he brings them along the mountainside. And he says, look out. You see all that's going on? I want you to be a part of it. I wanna teach you how to do this. I'm gonna send you with my word and with power. First, you're gonna be with me. You're gonna respond to me. And then I'm gonna send you out. Today, God wants to open our eyes. He wants to open our eyes to the possibilities that lie right in front of us. So many of us, we're in the, the, our day-to-day -day lives, we don't realize the potential that lies just at the things that we have at hand. God wants to open your eyes and he wants to say, hey, I have a word for you and I have power for you.